morning, good evening, and good afternoon. I hope everyone here had a fantastic week. I know I did, especially, especially after hearing the good news, which I will reveal later. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started. And we're going to be talking about comics. And we're going to be starting off with The Sins of Sinister. Now, I have been looking forward to this ever since last week's reveal with the X-Men comic. And the best part about it is that it takes off where we left off. So with Xavier being shown to be a Sinister clone, it is also revealed that Emma was too. And the rest of the Quiet Council has been basically turned into Sinister-minded clones. So it was revealed early that Sinister messed with the DNA process when it came to resurrecting the mutants. He either inserted his own will into them or just slowly inserted his own um, personality every time they reappeared, which basically took over the Quiet Council and so on and so forth. It kind of jumps forward a year where Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson is basically being confronted by a reporter telling him, that he found out that something's going on with the mutants, that Sinister might be behind it. He gives Jonah an injection saying, okay, this would be able to tell whether or not you're a clone or basically I'll have inserted uh, Sinister Will. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson is revealed to actually be a clone and that injection wasn't the case. And as years go by, Sinister is slowly replacing people as Sinister clones to get what he wants. He gets Namor to kill Doom, which is, I'm I'm pretty sure they nerfed Doctor Doom because, yeah, I don't see Doctor Doom dying that easily. And they set up the Fantastic Four to die in a space mission that he orchestrated. They replace the Avengers and corrupt them as the X-Men fight them and be to basically show them as heroes. As time progresses, they are able to turn humans into Sinisters as well. Some uh, humans are still left to basically have their own personality, but are basically slaves. Storm is the only person not to be resurrected as a Sinister clone and basically escapes and is now a fugitive. And Sinister is extremely happy. And as 10 years go by, his Sinister clones decide to come up with a couple plans that go against the original Sinister. He pretends to be happy about it, but he, in reality, he really isn't. So he decides to go back in time and make a few tweaks. Of course he does. But as he goes to his lab, he actually sees that it has been stolen and that he does not have access to any of the Myra clones. So that means he's stuck as he cannot reset the timeline. Now, I got to say, this comic actually starts off with an interesting twist. I like it, especially since they've been building up to this. Again, I didn't like how they kind of nerfed Doctor Doom, Mr. Fantastic, and probably the Avengers. But I mean, as far as building up to, I can see how he might have been able to kill them. Because remember, he has the Moira clones. He's able to go back in time and basically fix his mistakes, as we were able to see with X-Men issue number nine where he kept going back and trying to kill the Quiet Council until he finally got it right. One thing that was interesting is that the Spirit of Vengeance have left Earth, which I find extremely weird. But again, he has the power to go back and repeat his mistakes, able to do stuff different. So as while I see this as nerfing, I can also see the logic behind him winning with all this as well. How do you stop somebody who can reset the timeline and basically fix their mistake and beat you? I mean, sooner or later, you're going to fall. That's just logic right there. 
So like I said, I'm excited to see what's next and can't wait to see how everything else ties in, especially with Storm being, I think, the last X-Men standing. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and get started with X-Men, not X-Men, my apologies, Amazing Spider-Man issue number 18, which is going to be the last entry for the dark web for a Spider-Man issue. And um, it sucks. It really, really sucks. Anyway, it starts off strong with Madeline Pryor going to Ben and telling him that they're done. That she is no, she's going to be taking her army back from Limbo and they're not going to be invading Earth and that he's not going to be able to get his revenge. He is upset because he says he is so close to breaking Peter, which he wasn't, and getting him to eat the fruit, which was not going to happen. He swings off and E follows Madeline back to her throne room. He, uh, Madeline tells the demons to give the X-Men whatever they want. They begin to talk while with her stating that she knows what Eve is going to say. Eve puts on a mask that turns into a monstrous Frankenstein person, pushes Madeline off her tower, and basically steals her scythe, which shows that she's the ruler of Limbo and gives her a whole bunch of powers. Now, stupidity here. How did someone who's a clone of Jean Grey, who just got done battling the X-Men, whose telepathic uh, abilities basically go beyond Xavier? And that's not even including her telekinesis, which is extremely powerful as well, get pushed off a tower. Seriously, how does that happen? I swear, Zeb Wells just likes to depower everybody. It's just like, oh, this character's super strong? I'll just give him to Zeb Wells. They'll figure out how to ignore her abilities. It really sucks. Anyway, Spider-Man and Raprek, it's... <laughs> Uh, that, that demon who's now a Spider-Man kind of mixture, is fighting the demon Sinister Six. Wreck is actually hilarious. I really like him. He's kind of like a Batmite without the uh, reality warping powers. He's even getting on Spider-Man's nerves. <laughs> anyway, Eve gives Ben the scythe, and he gets like super boosted, transforms into King Chasm. Why didn't this happen with Madeline? Who knows? I don't know why... But it's Zeb Wells. He's doing whatever the hell he wants at this point. Anyway, Madeline uh, basically goes to the X-Men, explains what's happening. Uh, Peter tries to talk to Chasm, but King Chasm decides to bring hell upon Earth and raises a tower. And the comic ends with Spider-Man and the X-Men teaming up, including the demon Spider-Man, to fight against King Chasm. And I really hope that... Um, Zeb Wells doesn't write the next comic because, again, it was doing so well with the X-Men issue. It was doing fantastic, and then Zeb Wells happened. Yeah, thanks. That was just really bad. Anyway, uh, we're going to be moving on. Uh, there wasn't really a DC comic I liked, so we're going to continue with Marvel and a story on how you actually are supposed to write Spider-Man. So, in All Out Avengers issue number 5, the Avengers are confronting Spider-Man. The Avengers believe that Spider-Man is in possession of a device that is capable of scrambling everyone's brains in New York. Spider-Man, on the other hand, believes that the Avengers are being mind-controlled and needs to get the device to help unscramble their brains. Each side has their own story 
and basically saying, oh, no, you're the one who's being mind controlled. So very interesting. So a fight incurs and Spider-Man short circuits Iron Man's suit for a little bit because apparently he had some prep time. He escapes by running. Uh, She-Hulk basically runs after him. Spider-Man dodges a dude on a bike and dodges She-Hulk's punch and is able to swing away. But he ends up being grabbed by Captain Marvel. Spider-Man apologizes and inserts a capsule in her mouth, filling it with webbing. He promises that it will dissolve in 60 seconds, and he gets into a building where he's surrounded by Blade, Black Panther, and Captain America. They jump him, but because since he is basically fantastic in an indoor environment, especially with street-level fighters, he's able to get the jump on them. Especially since also, I want to say, they're not trying to kill him. So, but he's able to get away, which is pretty cool to see. He ends up being grabbed by Thor and he takes off his shirt and starts swinging away. And Iron Man is able to see him and capture him since he adapted to whatever he short-circuited. He gives them the device, but they realize that he's giving it up way too easily. And it turns out to be a fake. Apparently, the person he gave, he dodged on the bike was the person he gave the real device to. So they get to where uh, the device was given to, which was New York University, and Spider-Man uh, talks to the doctor there, and the doctor reveals himself to be the villain, and that he reality warped the events, so both of them saw, so basically the Avengers and Spider-Man saw two different events. Both of them were true, and both of them were not at the same time, which was pretty interesting, so it wasn't like mind control in a sense. But Spider-Man, realizing that he doesn't trust really anybody, uh, tinkered with the device before handling it to uh, the dude whose name is the Mass Manipulator, really uh, getting creative with the names. Anyway, if anyone was to do something evil with it, it would self-implode, which it does, basically. Uh, Spider-Man apologizes to everybody, especially Carol, and they start to walk away together, but Captain America hears someone narrating this entire time. Personally, I think it's Deadpool, but it's revealed to be the Beyonder who's behind this entire thing to get the Avengers and Captain America off his trail. And the comic ends with Captain America promising to find him. Now this, this was a great Spider-Man comic. He wasn't nerfed. He was able to do stuff with his brains. And here's the best part. He didn't need a fancy suit. That's why I'm so frustrated with Zeb Wells. Because it's kind of like him being taken down by freaking Vulture. Where he was able to dodge Captain Marvel, Iron Man for a little bit. And it's crazy that he had to run away. Where in, in this comic, he basically took on Blade, Black Panther, and Captain America. Again, it's Zeb Wells, so what are you going to do? Anyway, that's it for comics. We're going to be moving on to TV shows. First, we're going to get the elephant out of the room and say something terrible that has happened. Doom Patrol has been cancelled. Yes. Why did Warner Brothers do this? I have no idea. I was so happy when I learned that Titans was canceled. It was so nice to hear that that garbage of a show was finally finished. But to have Doom Patrol go with it, I would have taken another two seasons of Titans if it meant another two seasons of Doom Patrol. I don't know why they had to cancel it. I mean, you had Brandon Fraser who is getting basically a revival in his career, which, I mean, honestly, 
he was amazing, and it kind of sucks that he needed a revival to get more work. I mean, the dude is so talented, especially if you've seen Doom Patrol and you're a big Brandon Fraser fan. But why did it have to end? And I don't know why, because it sucks that we don't know. Apparently from James Gunn, it wasn't his decision to end the show. Apparently it was decided beforehand. Whether or not that was true or not, we don't know, but I'll trust James Gunn on this one. Although I do hope that the Doom Patrol do show up in maybe other venues, whether it be comic books or another movie, that would be fantastic because... Honestly, the Doom Patrol was the only good thing that Warner Brothers did in the DCEU, even if it didn't take place in the same universe. Anyway, uh, The Last of Us Episode 2 was phenomenal. Fantastic episode, especially with the introduction of the Clickers. Now, if they're going to introduce the Clickers in this most phenomenal way, God knows what's going to happen with the Bloaters, because I am going to be scared out of my mind Either way, ooh, it's going to be really good. Anyway, I got goosebumps, especially once I heard that familiar sound. Once I heard that clicking sound, just, ooh, memories. Really fun and terrifying memories. And I was just happy to see they were just as terrifying. Uh, the cold opening for this episode was just beautiful. Just beautiful in itself. The scientist realizing that the cordyceps were in humans, seeing her face of terror coming from someone who has studied them, knowing the horrors that they were going to bring and how easy transferable they were. And when they asked her what they should do if there was any cure and she said no, the first thing she said was to bomb everything. And she'd even try to run because she didn't know who was infected or who breathed them in. And that was just terrifying. Someone who is apparently ahead of her own league, someone in her, the front runner for all these things, saying that they need to kill everybody. Just incredible. And I will say this, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are still doing a phenomenal job of portraying Joel and Ellie. And I cannot wait to see what comes next with this next episode. Anyway, uh, Critical Role is getting another animated series in the works. And it's going to be based on their second campaign. I cannot wait to meet these new characters, this new setting, and see what adventures await. Honestly, it's going to be really fun. And I can't wait to see what comes next. Uh, another thing is that The Last of Us has been renewed for Season 2. And it will adapt the second game. Yay. I, all right, I'm just going to be honest here. I don't think anyone is ready for what's to come. I'm not going to spoil anything because if you haven't played the game yet, um, yeah, I'm not going to say what's going to happen. I'd rather you see it for the first time like we all the gamers did. And I really, really hope that the fans aren't as bad as they were when the game came out, especially towards the actress who was playing Abby before. I really hope, and I know they're going to try to change things to make Abby more likable, especially when it comes to the second half of the series if they try to follow the game, because God help the actress who says yes to that role. It's not going to be fun. Woo! Neil Druckmann, man, you have your work cut out for you for making Abby likable. Because, yeah, that's, um, you're going to find out whether or not that was the greatest move 
or people still hate what you did. Anyway, that's it for TV shows. We're going to be moving on to movies. A new trailer for Shazam! Fury of the Gods released, and it looks like it's going to be actually a fun ride. Whether or not I'm going to see it is still up for debate, because I don't know if any of this is going to matter for the future of the DCEU. They haven't stated if Shazam! is going to be one of the few movies that survive, or they're just going to recast everything and wipe the slate clean. With the movie coming out in about a month, or I think less than a month now, they're most likely going to reveal it. Because if they don't, I feel like it's going to really affect the box office. Anyway, moving on, Violent Night has been greenlit for a sequel. And I'm actually excited about that. The first one was a surprisingly fun movie. Really, really fun. Especially the whole Home Alone part. Still get nightmares. Anyway, I hope that they do well, and I think that David Harbour is winning, because the next thing I'm going to be talking about is another film with him in it getting released called We Have a Ghost, where he's going to be playing a silent ghost that becomes a internet sensation since he was captured on film. Apparently, there's a mystery behind his death that involves the CIA, and they're going to be in for a wild ride. And honestly, seeing David Harbour in a role that doesn't require his voice, where everything's going to be more physical, should be actually pretty funny. And I hope he really does well, because he's actually turning into one of my favorite actors. Uh, and that's it for movies. We're going to be moving on to TV shows. WWE 2K3 is releasing on March 17th, and we'll have John Cena covering for celebrating his 20th Yes, 20th anniversary in WWE. I personally never been a fan of the wrestling genre in WWE. I prefer real wrestling. Yes, real wrestling. But honestly, I hope the game does well. And congrats for John Cena, 20 years. Jeez, I did not realize he was in there for that long. Anyway, uh, Forspoken has been released and wow, is it an um, interesting game. I thought it was going to be better than what it was. The controls are really something to get used to. I mean, I have fun with the parkour part. It just, it's different. The magic attacks are interesting, but the dialogue, the open world, and some of the gameplay is very lack. I mean, you're in the main kingdom and it just feels empty. And... The whole fast-paced uh, style is really great, but it really only appears awesome when it comes to the big enemies, enemies that you're supposed to get behind. When it comes to the slow-moving zombies, though, eh, it's not that great. The dialogue is also very cheesy and cringy, too. I was like, who wrote this? And I just, like I said, the open world feels extremely empty, and it doesn't pull you in to actually care what happens, and... That's really bad when a game does that. I really hope they go back to the drawing board and take the parkour elements and implement them in another game. I am honestly going to give this game a 4 out of 10 just for the disappointment. Yeesh. I'm, listen, I'll give them credit where credit is due. I'm glad they released that demo because it at least gives someone a chance to actually play the game and not spend $70 on it. So kudos to them for doing that. I hope that they do better on their next one. If they're given the chance. Anyway, after a long hiatus, 007 GoldenEye is now playable on both Xbox and Switch. Now, here's the interesting part. If you want to play with online, like online multiplayer, you have to get it on the Switch. As Xbox will have apparently more missions in the story mode 
than on the Switch. Apparently, it has to do with the licensing agreement since uh, GoldenEye was an, not an Xbox, a Nintendo exclusive way back when. And since it's changed hands with gaming companies, it's very confusing to say the least. But anyway, those are the difference. And if you want to have that hint of nostalgia, definitely get the game, play it with friends. Uh, if you have a Switch, get it on there so you can play it as if you were playing the original. And honestly, I really uh, hope those who play it have fun with Odd Job or pick Odd Job before anyone else does because that little dude is OP. And let's not forget the pause menu music. That beat, legendary. Legendary. Anyway, uh, we're moving on to Elder Scrolls Online. Yes, Elder Scrolls Online is getting another expansion called Necrom, which will add some dark magic elements. And my guess also um, some good story modes. The cinematic was a very interesting one, especially when it showed like a trip to hell. And apparently the new class will be called Arcanist. You'll be able to perform defensive, destructive, and healing magic. It's all coming out June 3rd and we'll see how well this does. And that's it for video games. We're going to be moving on to nerd theories. So as many of you know, Justin Rowland has been let go from Rick and Morty, his video game company called Squatch Games, and is no longer going to be a part of Koala Man and Solar Opposites. And this is interesting because we're going to see whether or not these shows, well, more Koala Man and Solar Opposites, are going to survive without him, and also Squatch Games. Because remember, besides Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty was both Dan Harmon and Justin Rowland, but the rest of them, were mostly Justin Rowland, especially with Squanch Games High on Life. It was his brand of comedy. So I really think that in the future, we're going to see Squanch Games go down in flames. Solar Opposites also go down in flames. Koala Man, not so much, just because uh, I, I think Michael McCain is the dude who cre co-created it, is the main voice actor for it. So apparently he uh, has more creativeness in that show than... Uh, Justin Rollins' Solar Opposites, so maybe that will survive. But the main question is whether Rick and Morty will survive. In my opinion, a lot of people are saying this. I'm kind of scared because, interesting enough, I find out that the incest episodes in the show have actually came from Dan Harmon, not Justin Rollins. So I really think that it's going to take a season or two to get them back in the swing of things to get them successful. So that's my theory. I think it's going to take two seasons for Dan Harmon to get into the kick of things, especially without Justin Rowland. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're able to run with it and still do a good job. But I do think that Solar Opposites and Squanch Games are going to go down in flames, especially since he was basically the creative mindset about those. Like I said, I hope I'm wrong, but who knows? I'm just glad none of them got canceled. Anyway, moving on to current events, D&D fans have won an extreme victory. They have beaten Wizards on the Coast and announced that they are keeping the original OGL after all that backlash. And as a show of good faith, are adding some extra lore and content to be moved to the Creative Commons license. So that means stuff like Eberron. I don't know if Spelljammer is going to be moved to that, but anyway, I think Eberron will. So other people can take those campaigns, take the lore, and do whatever they want with it, creating new campaigns. I know the fans are happy about this. I am also happy about this, showing that, yes, we have beaten Goliath. 
but also taking notes that this probably did this because of how much money they were losing. Apparently from D&D Beyond alone, they lost millions because so many people had unsubscribed. So they were wanting to get that. And with the new movie coming out, my guess is, is that they were wanting to, uh, stoke uh not stoke put out the fire so the movie doesn't bomb because yeah if you are not having D fans going to see the DD movie that's a big problem and a big money loser especially since you're trying to build a franchise i'm just happy they did it we'll see what happens and hopefully the show good faith isn't a wolf in disguise but yeah and anyway that's it for this week's episode i definitely enjoyed it i hope you guys did too and next week is going to be my last episode until two weeks or yeah, two weeks after next week, because I'm going to begin California. Yay. Enjoying all that expensive stuff. But after the week of the first full week of February, I'll be back. So don't worry. I ain't going anywhere and I'll be letting you guys know how California was. Sayonara. See you later. You guys have a blessed one. Goodbye.